It Must Be Time for the Garden Forum. And joining me on the line right now, I believe, is Kathy Cavill. Hi, Kathy. Hi, I'm here, Steve. <laughs> well, what's it doing in, in, in Chicago Park? I did swim out to the garden today to uh, see how the plants were doing before the show. And I have to report that my garden looks fantastic. They are loving all of this rain. And uh, the things that aren't loving this in my garden are the man-made things that I put there, like benches, which are not where they used to be after the storm last night, statues, still can't find them. And uh, there's things just thrown all over the garden. Oh, chimes, you know, that were hanging here and there. Oh. Yeah, but but no serious damage. So I'm really happy about that. Oh, good, good. Well, what, well, what, what? I, I imagine you, you might talk about storms a little bit tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you know. Uh, first of all, we should um, keep reminding people that you're listening to the Garden Forum. Uh, at a, we you know, had a few shows at this hour so far, but I think we're still surprising some of the listening audience out there. And we're talking about gardens. So, yes, anything storm-related to your garden, that would be a really good thing to talk about on the, on air. You're welcome to call in and just liven up this um, dark evening. I think I'm not the only one sitting around with just one, one bulb or, or one light. Yeah, that's what I understand. Although I understand they've made some good progress in, in getting um, power back to people. So... That's 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 uh, encouraging. Yes, it is. Uh, the message I got was uh, Thursday at 10 p.m. That's uh, a little ways off. That is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, I've been through this before. I can do it again. And I'm just really happy there's not five feet of snow out there because last year— uh, that was that was something. And, and as, as far as my garden goes, I, I lost things because it was so cold with that snow on it. Uh, I always figured snow was a good insulation for the garden, and it is, but to a point. So a lot of the plants from India, I think they just didn't know what was going on, and they just gave it up. So I had to replace a lot of my more tropical plants after last year. I think this year everything is doing pretty well. I've got, I've got really sensitive plants. They're covered. There's um, actual garbage cans and five-gallon buckets that are sitting over the top of them that are stuffed with leaves for insulation. And most of these are deciduous anyway, so they, they died down. And... Um, I can't. So I really can't tell if they're alive or not, but we shall see. And uh, how are you faring? Um, actually, very well. We've had. Uh, I, I live just about, about a block and a half from KVMR, literally right. in downtown Nevada City, um, figuratively along a, 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 about a two uh, two block walk to uh, to w- walk along the same block. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that our show will be relatively uh, quiet. I'm in a small house with a puppy and a cat, and we're we're all a little bit at odds with each other at this point. <laughs> but we have cabin fever. 
They more so than me, but I, I had a long talk with them before the show, and I told them, please don't interrupt me, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and I fed them extra, <laughs> just to make sure. Ah. So today I'd like to talk about gardens and um, cold weather and the hope of spring and celebrations that have to relate to the uh, different cultures around the world and how plants are a very important part of that. So that's something that I always love talking about. And maybe I'll do just a little bit more of that on our show today because I have a little bit less to talk about with gardening. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was just going to say, too, and by the way, if anyone out there has a question or a comment or a suggestion or the answer for something, if uh, uh, Kathy or I um, can't come up with the answer for you. <laughs> yes, we rely on our listening audience a lot for that. Indeed. So, and that yeah. number, to, by the way, that number to call, um, we'll get you on the air. It's 530-265-9555. Again, that's uh, 530-265-9555. Yes, and um, I should introduce myself briefly in case uh, you're new to the show. I think we have a lot of people that are because of the time change. I used to be on Friday at 1 o'clock for over 20 years, so this is a big deal changing, but uh, welcome. And uh, I'm a medical herbalist. I do clinical work, and I have a beautiful organic garden. And I use that as the fodder for my show to talk about all the things that are going on there. And we do really welcome people. You don't have to be a farmer or a gardener. There are a lot of those in Nevada County, but, you know, anybody. Just if you have some uh, plant news or maybe something about a festival that happens in some country somewhere that has to do with flowers or plants or, you know, whatever this time of year. We'd love to hear about that. And um, also medicinal herbs, because that is actually my expertise. And I write books on it and I give classes. And the next one coming up is Medicinal and Edible Plants of the Sierra, which is uh, an ongoing course. If you want to know more information, I'm going to tell you now. And if I remember, I'll tell you at the end of the show, uh, you can leave your email address at ahaherb.com, A-H-A-H-E-R-B, or you can call me at 530-274-3140. If you didn't catch that, again, I'll repeat it at the end of the show. And you can find out more about what I'm doing on, on that website. And, oh, I almost forgot that also I, I just changed my settings on Facebook. I was full up. I, I had no more room for friends. But now I've moved into a different kind of site where I can have uh, follow lots and lots of followers. So if anybody wants to keep track of what I'm up to and uh, what the plants are up to in our area, and also um, all these seasonal uses of plants that I talk about. I post a lot of information about that as well. Um, it's just under my name, Kathy Keeville, as, of course, are my books. So um, there's lots of different ways to connect with me. Plus, just calling right now. 
Well, uh, let's see. No one is right now, but uh, I'm sure they will be giving us a call. Again, that phone number, 530-265-9555. That was just a big hint. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know when. When the power's been out now, I have my, my battery handy here, but I, I usually save my, my phone because uh, I, want to, uh, I don't want to have the battery run out when I don't have any power in the house. So if you're in that situation, just, just wave. <laughs> we know you're out there somewhere. Uh, so I'd like to start out a little bit. Um, just talking about what gardeners do this time of year and then get into some of the holidays. And this is a good time for taking notes. And the other day somebody said, of course it's true that all good gardeners keep records. And I thought, oh, yes, I do keep records. In fact, the good gardeners I know, they do too. And the kinds of things that I keep track of are – uh, making sure that I know the the species, uh, variety of what I plant, because I keep finding that I don't know what happens to those tags out in the garden, but I have over 500 species of these medicinal herbs, and then I have vegetables that are all different varieties. And uh, later on, I'll go back to see, I can't remember which one this is, and I can't find the tag. And darned if I know. I mean, I think probably I have lost about 500 tags out in the garden. I keep thinking someday I'm going to be digging and I'll, I'll have a whole shovel full of them will come up that maybe the gophers had borrowed or something. But um, anyway, I keep the notes and the area where that plant is just to make sure that I can remember who I have out there. Because I have a medicinal garden, I have to be really careful that I tell people the right plant, obviously, because they're coming here for uh, plant ID tours, and so I want to make sure. But everybody needs to know, because if you want to grow or not grow a variety of vegetables or herbs or flowers that maybe did well or didn't do so well, you want to make sure that you can remember which one that is. And um, so... Anyway, it ends up being a whole notebook for me that I have. The other thing that I like to keep notes on are when uh, flowers leaf out and when they, uh, and then also when, I think I said that backwards, I meant when the plant leaves out or when the flowers appear on the plant uh, so I can keep track of what's happening in the garden and what I can expect because as every plant emerges, it brings its own needs, and I need to be there to take care of it. Um, so I record when the daffodils first bloom or when anything, anything is happening. And those records have really helped me because then I know somewhat to expect. There is some variability going on there, and it's interesting when I look back over uh, the current garden I have, I've been here for over 20 years. And so when I look back and I see what bloomed when, I can see that there's really a, a difference in the patterns. And as far as global warming goes, the last five years have been pretty radical. So they, they've reached a little bit outside of the bounds, usually with really early blooming. Uh, the last year we had that huge snowfall, or at least if you live a little bit lower, you got a lot of rain. This year we're getting a lot of rain too, and that'll cool everything down. A lot of the plants 
depend on uh, coming when they come up, when they emerge from the ground, actually how warm the soil is. So the cooling rain will delay them. Um, hot drought-like weather, of course, will encourage them. But they're usually more abundant and doing better if they get the rain than if they're getting drought situations. A lot of times I've heard that herbs like rosemary and thyme and sage and all the ones they were singing about in the song, but many more that come from the Mediterranean, that all of those plants are actually ones that you want to keep very, very dry and you actually uh, maybe hardly want to water them ever. But I found that's not exactly true. I've uh, I used to do that, and they were okay, but they didn't look great. Then many trips to the Mediterranean have shown me that every time I go over there, it's summer, and every time it rains. So there's a lot of rain in uh, during the summer in a normal Mediterranean climate. In fact, California is regarded as the one of the driest Mediterranean, drier than the real Mediterranean type of climate. So when we're adjusting, uh, you know, what we're thinking about when the plants are are coming up is one thing, but then also the water patterns that they're going to need once the rains abruptly stop, which they usually do here, that's also something to think about. So that leads me to the other thing you can keep notes about. The other thing would be that um, now is a wonderful time to do research. Well, maybe not when the power's out, but soon. Um, so that you can turn to your computer or you can turn to your library if you have uh, plant books and find out more about the plants that you're growing and the conditions and anything that's failing a little bit, look it up again. And maybe if you moved it here or there, I usually start planning right now when I'm going to start moving things because it's a little too chilly to um, do that comfortably, but I, for them, for me too, I guess. But what I want to do is have those plants moved while they're still dormant or semi-dormant from the winter so that if their roots get disturbed, they won't be so um, almost conscious of it. And uh, that means I, I need to be prepared. For, for doing garden design. So now is a good time to not only research some of the plants, maybe, oh, new plants that you want to grow, new varieties, and then also start plotting uh, what your garden changes are going to be. There's a lot of work coming up in the spring for sure. And again, if you feel like calling in, I have a lot to say, so don't feel obligated. But we always love to hear from you. And you can call in and uh, talk gardening or talk uh, plant traditions around the world or talk medicinal herbs. So uh, whatever. And uh, if the gardening questions are a little out of my realm, then Steve and I, like we were saying earlier, we'll find somebody out there in the listening audience that has a working phone tonight and can call in and help us out. I know there aren't as many questions right now, again, because... Well, we, Kathy, we have, some, we have somebody calling. Should we... Uh, st- <laughs> well, let's, let's find out. Hi, you are all live on the Garden Forum. Hi, I forget your name. I'm Steve. Kathy. And she's Kathy. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know Kathy. <laughs> You're what? 
I I'm Steve. I'm Steve Baker. Steve Baker. Yeah. Carson Blanton here. I mean, Carson from the Ridge. Um, I have several questions for Kathy, and maybe you see. Okay, let's start with one. All right. Um, okay. I, I totally love my perennial medicinals, right? Yarrow, anise hyssop. Do I pronounce that right? Hyssop? Close enough. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay. And? And, um, and of course, I got thyme and rosemary. I don't have any uh, parsley. Um, but my yarrow, you, you, last time I called in, you said it would be, um, little plants coming up, but it wasn't like that. The yarrow just had like a ton of roots. So I forked it up carefully and I spread some roots out and I, you know, transplanted it because the flower of the, um, what was I talking about? The yarrow. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, just awesome. Anyway, um, they don't look like they're doing too well. There's no new green. There's nothing on there. And the high sip, um, the anise, is also mm-hmm. my second favorite. I love the smell of licorice. I and, know. Um, and, and, and so the top died back. Should I, you know, cut that off? And Anyway, yarrow and high sip, tell, uh, anise, tell me what to do with those. Okay, uh, so when did you transplant the yarrow? About a month ago. Yeah, so it's in the middle of winter. Uh, it yeah. will. It, it can't. Those roots really can't do too much recovery right now because the the ground is too cold. So they're not putting on any new growth. They're they're not doing a whole lot of seeding that type of thing. I wouldn't worry about them. Just yeah. you know, just if, if it helps. I'm at uh, twenty two hundred feet on the ridge. I figured you said the ridge, yeah. So, um, yeah, they should be fine. Yarrow grows wild around here, so it's a very, very really? sturdy plant. Wow. Oh wait, I don't mean yarrow. God, what do I mean? Valerian. No, valerian's what I'm concerned with. Well, we can um, talk about that too. Fine. <laughs> now we just took care of people who just transplanted their yarrow. And, I mean, um, yeah, yarrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yarrow is wild. We'll cover both of them. Okay. So um, to tell you the truth, there is a wild valerian that grows up here in the mountains. It's a true valerian of valeriana and wow. uh, works the same way. So, yeah. Although it doesn't, grow, it doesn't grow at your or my elevation, you know, in the higher foothills here. So um, valerian also should be fine. And okay. uh, it's exactly the same thing that I just said for yarrow. It's cold. They can't really do much right now. And yeah. actually, the the valerian, the yarrow leaves are up a little bit, but valerian, not at all in my garden. The only reason mm. that I know where it is is because there's an old stock there. No leaves. Yeah. So, yeah. So and the same valerian, thing with, it, with the anise. Yeah. Now, the, um, the anise hyssop plant, um, it's, it also, yes, it will, if it has any leaves or stalks at all, it's usually all the way down to the ground. So it's not a very good time of year to judge the health of any of those, uh, three of those plants. You have to Should wait I a, uh, another month. You, you don't have to do anything to it. Okay. You, you, at this point, you should just let it do what it wants to do. 
And that okay. it'll be, you know, I, I think that um, interfering with it always jars a plant a little bit. And so, yeah, I think you're fine. Well, the, the stock, the stock is the stock is dead. I took the flowers off. I make tea out of it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and um, I think just maybe cut the stock off and wait for it to come back. Okay, my other question: chokes, artichokes. Oh man, mm-hmm. those. What happened was I got aphids, and the aphids uh-huh. were on the the aphids were on the cannabis. Which I'm done growing cannabis. Give it up. Anyway, the ape, I, so I sprayed the cannabis, and all the aphids went to the artichokes. Yes. So I, I tore all the bottom leaves off. I keep taking it off, and I'm spraying it with, you know, what is it, rosemary? You know, I'm spraying it with garlic, rosemary, something like that. Yeah, that's okay. good. Okay, and the next question is. Well, wait a minute, Ed. That spray it should be pretty strong. Lots of garlic. You just throw. I think we talked about this once on the phone together. Yes, we did. Yeah, you throw a handful of the garlic in into the blender. Um, but the other thing to add would be some peppermint leaves. Peppermints. That'll, now my peppermints are funny. Isn't it funny? Sometimes they take <laughs> off, and sometimes they just don't grow. So. I, I I definitely need to um yeah peppermint and garlic okay, okay. yes and and it, chances are you probably do have a few leaves left on the peppermint it might not be really strong and for people that don't have that they can just buy a handful of peppermint and what about uh, what about rose, rosemary the rosemary is good the garlic is better the peppermint's better. So if you, you know, if you were going to look at what's going to be most effective against an aphid. Yeah, very good. I guess my third question is about when to plant poppy seeds. Wait, on one more thing on the aphids, you can, um, you can take, you can take a hose and you can knock them off. Spray them off. Yes. Well, it's. Exactly. No, they don't, they don't like water. Your artichoke yeah. is pretty sturdy. The aphids, um, they, they're just hanging on with their mouths, and, and it's really yeah. hard for them to do that when you give a really hard hit of water. And the artichoke won't mind that one bit. It'd just be kind of tiresome after a while going out there every day and doing it. But um, it'll, it might not get rid of the population, but between that and the spray, you should be able to. And then, of course, you want to put the spray on after the water. That's yes. probably an obvious thing, yeah. Okay, next Thanks. question. Thank you, Kathy. Um, okay, I got rosemary. Um, the poppy seeds. When do I? I've, I've got all these beds, beautiful beds that what I'm not going to grow. What uh, kind? Which poppy? Yeah. The Afghani. The Afghanistan. Get those in right away. Get them in right away, the, the seeds. Mine are already yeah, so up. So just spr- sprinkle them on top and, and tamp them down. Yeah, usually, um, usually you want to put a seed in uh, pretty pretty close to the surface, especially those because they're so tiny, but not so close that heavy rains like we're having right now are going to wash them away or make them puddle in the middle of the bed and all come up in one place. So yeah, you know, we're, we're they're very hard talking. to transplant. Once the plant um, is up, you're talking seed, yes? 
I am, but there, there's already a bunch coming up, and they're on. I I'm just sold my. What? That's what I said. They're, yeah, they're coming up. So if you want to plant seed, they should go in quickly. I know. Okay, what about the ones that are coming up that I need to transplant? What about back to the seed? The so everybody's listening. So all these people that are going to be planting poppies, we got to fill out the information here. So the other thing is that you, you need to stamp down. You, you put the, you put them on. You can cover them with right. soil, but you, but that needs to be really packed down. You can do that right. with your boot if you don't have a virum sole, which kind of defeats the whole purpose. But um, pack it down really tight again so that the water doesn't wash them away. Okay, now, the, transplanting them is really difficult. I if know. You, if you manage to transplant, they, well, they have a big tap root. So if you manage to, to transplant any poppies, any of the different varieties, then they're usually going to be a little flimsy looking when they grow up. They're, and they'll probably be shorter and they'll flower uh, sooner. They won't be that big, you know, big, vibrant poppy that you're looking for. The, I know the the original the 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 um the uh, the ones that come up on their own are are beautiful transplanting um yeah I I, I get it these are, are these red uh they're lavender yeah they're lavender no and white. the red the red ones I mean I'm trying to kill those they're just ornamental I'm looking for medicine here. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. The red ones might be too. Yeah, the the purple ones that have a little bit of white in them. They're kind of purple pink. The the the, the Afghanis. The Afghanis are lavender with a little bit of white. Yeah, you got it. Yes, right. Okay. Um, there, there's some red ones in Afghanistan too, but I I guess they oh, call really? that when you when you buy them. I got it. Okay, so you want to get the smallest ones you can find to transplant. And when you transplant, they're going to have a huge taproot, even though they're tiny, and they don't cannot be disturbed. Right. You, know, you don't. You don't. If the soil falls off of them or anything, I can assure you they're not yeah. going to make it. So you have to have the, the hole ready where you want them to go, and then dig them up so that you have plenty of soil around it, and then move it over. Very good. We're getting an echo, Very. which I should have mentioned earlier. Do you have your radio on in the background? Nope. I don't have a radio. I was listening to KVM on All my right. telephone. All nope. right. It, 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 the, the cell service is kind of wonky right now. Yeah. I, I because, sure it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, and so the generator. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, let's, oh. so it, it might be a little hard for people to be listening to this because of the um, – you know, the background that's happening oh, really? with your wonky phone. Yeah, I, I'm hearing it's almost like a feedback. So let's do one more quick question and have you take it off the air. My generator is running, um, and I would like to have solar and batteries. Anyway, um, uh, it'll be three days before we get our power back. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. thank you, Kathy. Anyway, yeah, thank, thank you, you off the air. Huh? Yeah. Bye. Thanks for the call. Well, we covered a lot of territory. 
So if you also have uh, questions on medicinal herbs or edible herbs or wild ones or this or that, um, try to center it around the garden. And Kathy? Just call about anything. <clears throat> First of all, the number to call, again, just to remind folks, the number to call is 530-265-9555. Two people are doing that right now, and we have one person ready to go on the air, Kathy. Okay. So, hi, you're live on KVMR. Yeah, thank you so much, Kathy and Steve. My daughter is down in Sacramento, and she had an apricot tree that was pretty old, and it came down like a week ago. And uh-huh. we we're wondering... She wants, in apricot trees are tricky. I think if you're watering the grass, the roots tend to come up too shallow. Yes. And and I think that's what happened for this tree. So mm-hmm. it was lucky to break the fence or anything. But we want to plant a bare root and hoping that it's not too late for that. Because I know it's supposed to be really winter, winter resting time. But in Sacramento, do you think you can still do bare root? We could do an ap- uh, apple tree. Um. I think that um, I'm hoping somebody will call in that knows a little bit more about uh, where where you're in Sacramento and um, apricot trees. Yes, that is a common problem that happens that with fruit trees that they're watered too shallow. It happens all the time. You're in your yard in the suburbs. Yeah. So they've now stopped watering where they have a couple other fruit trees. But apricots in general are, are a little bit more difficult. I'm a fruit person. You're not, you didn't call about this, but as far as the watering goes, you can get these pipes that are aerated at the bottom. They've got holes in them. They're pointed Uh at garden supply stores and you just push them down into the ground quite a way. And the water go deeper so the roots go deeper? Yeah. So um, I'm assuming that the trees that they already have, were watered in a very similar fashion, even though they've stopped now. And so they probably established their pattern that their roots are too high on the surface. And um, so that would be a good thing to do with these trees to make sure you could get a couple of them, one on either side of the tree and water them for a long time. And then, so the water will be, they'll they'll go down for the water instead of up. And, you know, just in general in California, it's, that is a problem because we um, we don't get these heavy rains in the summer that might reach down far enough for the, the fruit tree to be going the direction it's supposed to be going. And then um, also, okay, so I'm just going to put that out to the listening audience. If anybody yes. can help me out about planting, when you can plant fruit trees, in, especially apricot in Sacramento. Well, I don't want um, an apricot to go with we're going to go with an apple, but I basically was just wondering if people, if it's too late. I know. The yes, best I understand. I think it's it's going to be the same for either tree, but apple tree, everybody. Okay, so um, we're going to put you off the air and then see if somebody can call in and help you out. Great. Thank you. And in general, everybody knows fruit trees, long, deep watering in the summer. Yeah. 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 Thanks for that reminder. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. Sure. And thanks I for the call. Call, don't we? Another one? Uh, no, I said thanks for the call. Uh, we, yes. yeah, but we'd like to. Re- and there was somebody that, that we weren't able to to get to their call. Um, uh, but at, but uh, if they're still out there, you can give us a call back at five three zero 
because uh, the first person that does that makes that call, will, you'll be on the air. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your prize. <laughs> yep, that's so, your prize. Uh, uh, yes, as far as what's happening with traditional celebrations today, I was thinking that in ancient times and before that, like pre-ancient times, and since then up until our, our rather modern world, there were so many festivals that were celebrated according to the seasons and what was happening in the garden that, you know, I always think of people just toiling away in the medieval era, but boy, they not only worked hard, they partied hard. There's just one thing after the other. So right now we, uh, we've got uh, in early February because this is right between the solstice and the spring equinox. We've moved that far away from the solstice that we're we're at this midpoint. So sometimes these were called cross quarter days, but they're everywhere you go <laughs> in the northern hemisphere. You can find people celebrating it, but in different ways. I think in this country we're mostly down to Groundhog Day, and uh, but still it's right there. It's actually on a, a the. Um, the Christian holiday called Candlemas, which go, has roots that go way before Christianity. In fact, that what is that? That Punxsutawney? No, that's not how you say that. Do you know, Steve, how you say Phil's name? Uh, no. <laughs> we went to this last year. <laughs> but we, but we saw, but we saw uh, about. I, I saw a video of. Uh, um, a, a, f- a friend of uh, KVMR is a friend of mine, uh, and her uncle was visiting, and he lives in that town. <laughs> we need him to tell us how to pronounce it. Yeah, he's, uh, he, and he did. I, I guess I, I, if I had it with me, I could uh, run the little video thing that they were talking about. So, anyway. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that groundhog saw oh. his shadow or not this year. Yeah. Oh, but, it, it was uh, not out this year. So, oh, do you know what that means? Um, summer comes like six weeks earlier or something? Yes, good guess. I mean, you had two guesses, so uh, you had a 50% chance of the right one, and you do have the right one, yes. Okay. Uh, early spring, too. So, Hey, we'll we've, got a, we've got another caller and, one, and, and another one after that, so let's go to the okay. next caller, okay? Let's do that. Hi, you are live on KVMR. Hi, um, I have a dwarf Meyer lemon tree in a fabric pot, and it is being attacked by scale. Do you have any recommendations? Oh, boy. I know so little about citrus scale. Uh, <laughs> I I also have a dwarf Meyer lemon in a pot, but unfortunately not having that problem. Uh, we already have uh, one thing on the table that we're hoping somebody will call, and I'm afraid this one we're going to have to rely on somebody else. I have a guess, but I think I think rather than guess, it would be really good to get information. So anybody out there, call in. Scale on Meyer Lemon. People love growing Meyer lemons, so I bet there's somebody that will know how to take care of it. Have you gone to the um, your local nursery? To ask I them? have, um, but I was. I was hoping maybe for something not as harsh of a pesticide. Yes. 
Um, have have the you gone to your local organic nurseries and ask them? Um, that might be a, a thing to think about. I'll have to check that out. Yes. Yeah, do that because um, I know that there's um, a lot of alternative stuff, but unfortunately I don't know which one. Okay. So okay, we'll get you off the air and hope that somebody will call in. Great. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. And thanks for the call. And, okay, uh, that's uh, the uh, Apple, Apple question that we had before about planting in Sacramento. We need two experts right now. All right, 530-265-9555. And another person called in <clears throat> to say that they believe it's Poxitani Phil is the name that of the groundhog. That's really right. Oh, thank you. Poxitani Phil, yes. So so back to Phil, and uh, he, he this prediction that happens actually is not some quirky American thing. It goes back to old ancient Germany and nobody knows how long it's been happening and guess what it wasn't always a groundhog it was um, different types of tunneling animals could do the same trick and it always happened this time of year so the Pennsylvania Dutch who were actually German brought it over here and it caught on. So we're actually celebrating this cross-quarter time, this time between the solstice and the equinox, um, and we're doing it with a groundhog. Very similar, because all of the celebrations, I was going to mention a few of these. Uh, We've got in Japan, we've got Setsubun, which is um, translated to seasonal division right in between those two other times is what that's talking about. There's a Mongolian tradition that um, has to happen on the new moon, so it shifts around a bit, but it is actually the Mongolian New Year because we're right in between uh, winter and spring. In fact, some traditions call it pre-spring. In Taiwan, you'll see sky lanterns set a, you know, in float into the air, uh, to represent this pre-spring uh, tradition that we have, and uh, the Mardi Gras. So Mardi Gras is just before Lent. It's a time to let it all out, but it also uh, originated with uh, this middle time, pre-spring type of tradition, and it's thought that that's why Lent starts uh, around now. Lent will move around because it has to be right before Easter, And the amazing thing to me is that Easter, because it really moves around the calendar, Easter is the first Sunday after the full moon, after the equinox. So it harkens back to a time when we were doing farming and gardening traditions, and uh, then it's related to this the pre-spring celebrations that happened now, and then they were followed up by by Easter, which was the announcement of spring. Lots of different ways to celebrate what's going on. And then, of course, it's Bridget's Day just happened, too. Bridget's Day on the calendar is fixed on February 1st, but it actually used to be a movable day because it was following uh, patterns of the sun and moon. 
the whole deal about the sun and moon is that gardeners really based their life on paying attention to what was going on in the sky. It wasn't just um, something, just an astrology type of thing where they, you know, were finding out about what influenced what. Uh, that did play into it, but it was also the fact that they had to know the right times to plant things, like we're talking about planting these apple trees in Sacramento. So the right time so that everything can thrive and um, very, very important to gardeners. So they celebrated every little every little piece of the season as it went around throughout the entire year in different ways. Pre-spring, I'm making that part up. That seems like what we would call it in America is a, to- a time when you're really looking at the fact that winter is still happening. I feel like, tell me about it after today and last night. Yeah, still happening. But also the flowers that are represented for uh, celebrating Bridget or a lot of these other ceremonies and celebrations I'm talking about, you can find those just by walking out into your garden. You might have to have galoshes on, but uh, the violets just began to bloom, and they are what are celebrated in February. Violets are associated with love and um, the heart in general. So how appropriate that we have Valentine's Day. The violets... Celebrating the violets came before Valentine's Day. So maybe they were the original. And also Daphne, if you have that intense, incredible fragrance is blooming. It, you know, I went out to look at my Daphne's and uh, it was so windy. I just expected half my garden to be gone. But like I was saying earlier in the show, the only thing were the statuaries, the benches were all over the place. The hot tub cover had flown off down the garden and things like that. But the plants all looked just really great, just enjoying all of the moisture and uh, almost looked like they had smiles on their face this morning. Kathy, uh, we have another caller. Great. Hi, you're live on KVMR. Hi, um, Kathy. I just was calling to comment back um, on the lady that was asking about the scale and something we did was um, for, for citrus to do neem oil. And, but also I had scale this year on a fig tree and it was like the hard scale. And I looked up and, and it worked real well as um, using rubbing alcohol on a cloth and just, you know, you hand do it. You just rub it all wow. off um, on the branches where you see it. I mean, it really and, and she said she had a dwarf tree. I don't know if it's smaller, so maybe it wouldn't take her that long um, to hand do yeah. it. And then if it was heavily infested, I would just cut those leaves off. And then um, we had scale on a pomegranate, and we just, on just a couple of the branches, lower ones, and we cut it off, and then that seemed to take care of the problem as well. So I just wanted to share yeah. that. That's great. Uh, the neem, which is a plant from India, Interestingly enough, it's actually used for scale on people's skins. So, oh, they, mm, interesting. Yeah, it's mostly used for um, skin disease. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. That neem stuff could kill anything. That's strong. <laughs> and so, I would say that um, it's now so, it's sold for use in the garden. And so, 
she only has to follow the directions on the label. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, or maybe look up a YouTube video or something. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your show. Really enjoy it. Thank you. Bye bye. And thanks for the call. I'm always relieved when we get an answer that's just floating out there. Yeah. Now, now another another person called uh, just a little earlier than her and said that uh, he used. Uh, uses rubbing alcohol on a Q-tip um, for every single bug. Wow. <laughs> That's some dedication. I guess so. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Um, and if you've, got, uh, if you've got another suggestion for us or uh, our comments or whatever, um, or your own question, uh, 530-265-9555. We've still got about... Uh, Ten minutes left here today, but uh, or tonight um, here, and uh, Kathy getting a good number of calls here in the early evening. Uh, yes, we are. I guess people are not out on the road. I think a lot of times people are coming home now, but uh, I wouldn't want to be out on that road. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's probably that could be it, um, and they're also um, finding the out snow. of the rain. <laughs> yes, that's right. And they're they're discovering the new time, which is exciting. Which is, by the way, the first Friday. I mean, Friday. See, look at twenty years, and I'm still saying it. Okay, it's the first Monday at six o'clock. So you can find uh, Garden Forum, and please join us every month. So I wanted to finish about these flowers that represent Bridget and also that are used for a lot of the festivals that happen this time of year because there's very few flowers blooming. It's too early for daffodils, especially here. So um, the other one is rosemary. And rosemary is amazing because it blooms uh, in, starts blooming in December or sometimes just blooms throughout the whole winter. And there's a lot of folklore stories about why rosemary blooms then. But for whatever reason, it's uh, really wonderful to have something that looks so so glorious and, and deep blue in the garden. And uh, anyway, so if you want to get the correct flowers for celebration, just go out and see whatever the very few things are blooming in your garden. I think that would be totally suitable to use. I mean, that's how people invented these things. When they say this time of year you would use a certain flower, they did exactly that. They went out in their garden and checked it out, and that was what was happening. So, uh-huh. Hey, we've got another caller. Excellent. Yeah. Hi, you're live on KVMR. Hello. Hi, uh, you're live on KVMR. About, I had a question about garlic okay. um, and also uh, peach tree. A peach tree, I've got a three-year-old. When would I start expecting to see it produce? Did you say three-year-old? Three. Three? Yeah. Um, This year, I think it would produce. I'm not a a fruit tree expert, though. Thank you. Um, And we do have just a few moments if anybody wants to call in right now and, and help me out. But as far as I remember, it was three to four years when they begin. You know, some people, though, um, when it's hard to do it because you've waited so long already, some people actually take the blossoms off of very young trees because they're Mm. thinking of the future and they want them to be hardy. 
but again, I'm not I'm not the expert here. So see if somebody can just squeeze in a call and help you out. Great. Yeah. Well, and thanks very much the, for the call. Or do you have a little another question? The, the, uh, garlic. When is the when is the best time to plant garlic? I've heard some different opinions on that. Garlic is usually planted in the fall, but mm-hmm. you know we. I think we have a lot of leeway. Do you live in the foothills? I do. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of leeway, and it's pretty forgiving. Um, I know people that just rotate it throughout the whole year and just get a better crop, um, the ones that come up in the spring. Uh, and you have to, let's see, it gets a little too hot, so you have to manage it a little bit if you're planting it in the summer. But uh, okay. give it a try. Nice. And then, uh, obviously, uh, harvesting after the bloom. Oh, garlic is, um, you know, what happens with it, um, if it blooms, is that a lot of the energy goes into the flower. That's true of a lot of plants. So, actually, the the stalks are bent over or cut off. Oh, really? Uh, Yes, and and then it's harvested, and it's not harvested, or it's harvested just before the bloom. Okay. When would you, when, when would, Yeah. When would you cut off the stalks or bend them over? Then, if you're planting in the fall, if when you see the when they start to develop flowers. Oh, okay, great. That's when they're. Well, I appreciate. Yeah, that's when they're usually done. And then what that does is it um, interferes with the flowers, so that the garlic retains all of its garlicness. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. Yeah, you too. Somebody call quickly and help me out with a few things that are lingering here. <laughs> and uh, as far as planting times, yeah, I was talking about taking notes and keeping track, and this is a really good time to do it. And it is hailing so hard right now, I cannot believe it. So, um, Steve, wasn't this supposed to stop soon? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I I know that that it's going to, I think it was either tomorrow or Wednesday, uh, the winds were were going to be one to two miles per hour. (laughs) Instead of 50. (laughs) Yeah. And hey, and we've got somebody who's uh, been, uh, unfortunately, uh, we lost him twice. Well, we're not going to lose him a third time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here he is. I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Hi, you're live on the air. Oh, geez. Um, Kelp. Kelp is the only thing that's going to help fruit tree curl at this point in time. Okay. So spraying kelp liquid wonderful. kelp on yeah. on peaches especially. And, uh, yeah, peaches, that's the only thing that's going to help at this point in time. You know, um, that's what I do, but it's too late to spray them now, isn't it? Any chance you get where we have a break in the rain, they yes. appreciate it. Okay, because um, I spray my uh, peach trees and the apricot tree in the fall with kelp, and then I also feed them kelp. Yeah, and if glad, they haven't I'm done much. I'm glad to know that you that it's not restricted just to that time. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think kelp is wonderful. Fantastic. Any time of year, yeah. Kelp is your golden ticket. 
Yes. Yeah, I know Amigo Bob used to talk constantly about how important that was. So thank and if you. If it's really bad, you have to use copper. Ah, yes. Well, we'll hope that everybody has success. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Thank you, Steve. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We may have time for one more call. We've got about three minutes left. Uh, okay. But uh, so five three zero two six five nine five five five. But right now, that uh, right now we'll go back to you, Kathy. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't get much sleep last night because of around four a.m. that lightning. I don't know if anybody else heard that, but I bet they did. And I just wanted to say that. Um, it's really nice spending uh, the time with you, and I'm going to take a nap. I've been trying to stay awake all day. So. <laughs> Same sort of thing happened to me. Only I had, I had to be I had to get up at five to do the morning show this morning. You do, yeah. So you were just up a little early there, but 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 when the lightning and the thunder, you know that 1001, 1002 thing to count how far when they, when they were happening simultaneously, and <laughs> they were just. And it ended up me, the cat, and the puppy were uh, in the living room, just all huddled up together. And <laughs> so we went back to sleep. Kind uh, of. And, and last night I was thinking at one point, when did they build a freight train track right outside my, my yes. apartment? <laughs> yes. It, I did grow up in upstate New York, and we did have storms. And I don't quite remember things being that loud, but... I know, and I was trying to figure out, is there an airplane going over right now, and there's lightning at the same time? <laughs> it was yeah. really, well, really pretty amazing. Well, Kathy, when, if you'd like to give uh, some contact information, we've only got about uh, 70 seconds left. Perfect timing. Okay, so my website is ahaherb, A-H-A-H-E-R-B dot com. My telephone number, leave uh, a way I can get a hold of you email-wise. And it is five three zero two seven four three one four zero, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. So okay, um, so and, and I've got we've got somebody to thank here, and uh, Kathy, and I'm going to thank you now, and and then thank them, and then it'll be democracy now. My electricity came on. Oh, congratulations. Oh, wow. <laughs> Boy, I okay, can't, can't believe it's Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, everybody, be well. Okay, bye-bye, Kathy. And we get support from Peaceful Valley Farm and Garden Supply, family-owned and operated since 1976, a local resource for organic seeds, fruit trees, plants, workshops, and year-round gardening supplies. Peaceful Valley is located off Whispering Pines in Grass Valley or at groworganic.com.